Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness. It's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair, and I've got a returning guest for you today that I'm really excited to have back on the show. In fact, I hope to make this kind of a regular feature as the first episode we did was very interesting to me, and I got some really great feedback from you on it as well. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about a topic that is a really, really fascinating topic, maybe as fascinating uh, an area of research as there is in my book. I'm, I have been wanting to talk about this on the show for probably four years now, and I keep kind of punting it down the road, but the ne- the time has come. I want to talk about a combination of mushrooms. Uh, and what I mean by combination is I want to talk about the stuff that you can get over the counter, things like lion's mane and cordyceps and maitake and shiitake and Raishi and turkey tail, and there's a whole bunch of others. Uh, And then I also want to talk about psychedelic mushrooms, and that's the part that I've been putting off. We've actually talked a little bit about the medicinal mushrooms for a while. It's an interesting topic to breach because, you know, these things aren't legal. Uh, well, in, in almost the entire country anyway, there are a couple of places that they, they are, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But there is some research on these, and there are people reporting some really, really great results with these. And uh, we want to talk about it because in my book, Medicine is Medicine, uh, you know, whether it's over the counter, whether it's by prescription, whether it's an herb or a vitamin or a psychedelic mushroom, uh, they may all have their place depending on your individual needs. So that's what we're going to dig into today. We're going to talk about everything from microdosing uh, of the psychedelic mushrooms to, again, the research that's gone on and also many of these other fascinating mushrooms uh, that uh, I personally have had a lot of success with lion's mane being my personal favorite. And uh, we'll dig into that category in detail with a guy who's done a lot of research on it. I want to welcome back Nick Zemp to Vitality Radio. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm looking forward to this topic as well. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Now, we talked about uh, fermented food last time, and so mushrooms aren't too far away from that. Uh, and uh, so it's kind of an interesting uh, uh, segue, I guess you could say. But I mentioned a bunch of the medicinal mushrooms uh, off the top. And, of course, I left off, let's see, chaga and uh, trying to think of some others that are out there that I. Oh, uh, yeah. You name a mushroom and it's got some medicinal value. For sure. Yeah, there's all kinds of them. And, and I'm always fascinated, Nick, about, you know, what, what were the people that were figuring this out in the beginning? You know, how did they know which mushroom would kill them? And which mushroom would cure them? Uh, I guess trial and error, huh? Let Let's talk about uh, generally the medicinal value of mushrooms because I have a lot of people that come into Vitality and they're a little overwhelmed when they look at the shelf that has all the mushrooms on it because, again, we have reishi and and cordyceps and lion's mane and all these other ones. And then there's formulas too. There are formulas that have two or three mushrooms in them. There are formulas that almost look like a multivitamin, but of mushrooms where you have maybe eight, nine, 10 different mushrooms in there. So let's talk about the general benefits of mushrooms as a whole. And then as we go through, we'll talk a little bit about individual mushrooms as well. Yeah, certainly. So 
Um, as you know, probably most of your listeners are aware, uh, mushrooms have you know really increased in popularity over the last several years. Um, there's a you know number of different brands and and categories that you can find them in now. Um, but I would say kind of the biggest generalizable uh, benefit that you're going to get from medicinal mushrooms as a whole is going to be uh, immune support. You know, you have uh, a lot of compounds in mushrooms um, that provide varying degrees and varying mechanisms of actions for that immune support. So um, kind of a big compound or a big one of the bigger uh, categories of compounds that uh, you've talked about, I know, in your podcast before are beta-glucans. And so beta-glucans um, is a big class of different polysaccharides. So long chains of glucose that some of them are digestible and some of them are not digestible. Um, and some of them have these side chains that have proteins attached to them, different like, things like that. And so there's, it's kind of a big category and juggernaut to kind of really dig into deep too. Um, but in general, they usually have an effect on the immune system. So our, our various, uh, you know, cytokines, the interleukin-6, interleukin-10, so these inflammatory cytokines that can have uh, a positive inflammatory effect in our body, you know, when our body needs to react to an external stressor or an infection of some kind, um, or uh, a lot of them are also involved in the cell cycle. Um, so there's been a lot of research that's been done on, you know, various mushrooms for uh, in cancer and in inhibiting cancer growth and tumor growth, things like that. Namely, turkey tail is a, a big one for that. So, um, but yeah, just in kind of that really huge umbrella kind of term, all of your mushrooms are going to have immune stimulating properties, whether that be, you know, acting specifically as an antiviral, antibiotic, antimicrobial, all the way to having an effect on the immune system and our own immune uh, cells, you know, our natural T killer cells and our, uh, you know, beta cells and all the different types of, of immune products or immune molecules in our bodies that, you know, help us fight against infection and, and just improve health overall. So I would say that's kind of the biggest one. And then I would say maybe the second kind of, you know, big one is, um, you know, going to be probably stress. Um, just as far as, you know, in shiitake mushrooms, we have the active uh, hexose correlated compound or AHCC um, that has, a, you know, quite a lot of research on it for stress. Uh, that's a, a fairly common compound across all mushrooms, but the shiitake mushrooms are, you know, really potent or have a high concentration of that compound. So, um, so yeah, I mean, those are kind of the bigger umbrella terms. And then when you get into each individual um, mushroom, then they all have kind of individualized benefits that, you know, that's where we can kind of dig in a little deeper later on or whatever, if you'd like to talk about these individual. Yeah, benefits. I think I definitely want to talk about some of the singles and, and, you know, we'll definitely spend some time on lion's mane because that I think is definitely the one that's taken off the most in terms of people hearing more about mm -hmm. it, using it more. We certainly have more people ask for it at Vitality than any other mushroom for sure. Uh, you mentioned a couple things though, that I think are, are pretty interesting. Um, with the, well, first off, I have to tell you this and you've probably seen it before, but years ago, um, oh my gosh, I'm trying to 
trying to think of how many years ago. It's got to be at least 20, maybe even 25 years ago. Really, when the only uh, mushrooms that we sold on, on our shelves back then, I think, were shiitake and raishi. I think were the only two that we had in our store mm-hmm. back then. Uh, and frankly, I didn't know a whole lot about them uh, at that time. I had, hadn't uh, you know, researched it much. There uh, wasn't really an Internet to look at those things back then. And, and so I was just started you know, dipping my toes in a little bit. And I remember there was this company at uh, a, a trade show, the big trade show in Anaheim that happens every year for this industry. And they had T-shirts that you could sell in your health food store. And one of them had a picture of a mushroom. And it said, shiitake happens. And yeah. uh, I thought that was hilarious. And uh, then I, you mentioned, though, the stress mitigating effects of shiitake mushrooms. So it's actually a really easy way to remember that if you're stressed out, shiitake, shiitake happens, yep. right? Uh, give that one a shot. So that's one thing. But beyond that, uh, with the with the uh, AHCC, um, I think in terms of uh, how do I put this? I think a lot more people are familiar with beta-glucans than they are AHCC, but it was yeah. very interesting. I was just on YouTube the other day watching a doctor, and honestly, I don't know if I can tell you who it was now. I watch a lot of this stuff. I can't remember which one it was that was talking about it, but he was saying, basically, here's a list of like six supplements that really work, and AHCC was at the top of his list, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Because I don't hear much about AHCC nowadays. And so based on that and based on you bringing it up, uh, I'm curious, what else do we know about AHCC? Because immunomodulating, I know, is one of the big factors, and and it is supposed to help with stress response. But is there more research that you're aware of that you can share with us? So I haven't dug too too deep into AHCC. Um, I kind of came across it several years ago. Um, when I was kind of looking more into shiitake and kind of just the medicinal benefits of shiitake. Um, and I uh, have just kind of looked into it and I, I, you know, papers will come across. I get a lot of RSS feeds from different uh, mm-hmm. journals that, that, you know, regularly publish on, on health and specifically dietary supplements and herbs and other things like that. And so I, you know, we'll see things come across occasionally. Um, but I haven't, you know, I haven't ever kind of done my own deep dive into AHC or sorry, uh, AHCC specifically. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I know that it does have, you know, some, some stress uh, relieving properties or, or stress modulating properties, just kind of namely through the, the autonomic nervous system and the vagus nerve, which um, is another maybe really interesting thing that we can touch on the mushrooms do as well. Um, and then I, I have also seen some research with AHCC uh, and cancer and specific types of cancers and things like that. So. Yeah. And, and I've seen some of that research too. Yeah. I'm going to dig deeper into that AHCC then. I want to, I may uh, bring a whole show on that because I'm actually getting more and yeah. more fascinated with it, but I don't have enough uh, information on it to, to go into detail at this point either. So then yeah. if someone's trying to decide between a single mushroom uh, we'll just say lion's mane since that's uh, the, the big one right now versus a multi mushroom uh, where they might have seven or eight different mushrooms in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you direct someone to figure out if they're wanting to try mushrooms, where do they start? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's interesting and I, I would always, you know, recommend uh, for people out there that maybe work in health food stores and they're trying to guide their customers or even people at home, you know, really think about kind of what the benefits are that you're trying to go for. Um, 
and and you know maybe initially starting out with just a a, a blend is is great and just kind of seeing how it, it works the the thing that i think with mushrooms is is that they're they've always been consumed as foods you know medicinal foods or functional foods um so generally when you're eating them you're eating you know grams and grams you know or ounces of of these right mushrooms and you know they have a lot of a, a really high water content um you know so a lot of that is just you know you're eating a lot of water uh in that fresh mushroom you know unless you cook it all out um but with capsules you know it's a much more concentrated form you've got ridden you've gotten rid of all of that extra water weight and in some cases they've even been you know standardized to a specific compound or you know something like that depending on the the brand that you're getting um, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with consuming lots of mushrooms in a blend. You know, the blends that I've seen uh, generally are pretty low uh, in each individual specific mushroom right. Um, right. as a whole, just so that way, you know, you're not taking like 18 capsules at a time or something like that, or these huge scoops. So I think if you're just kind of really interested in trying mushrooms, um, just to kind of get some general health benefits, you know, maybe for immune stimulation, um, Another one that I forgot to mention is glycemic control. Um, and then another one also is a benefit that is, you know, actually ties back into our last conversation that we had about probiotics and fermentation is uh, acting as a prebiotic. So a lot of these fibers yeah. that you find in mushrooms feed, we don't break them down, but they feed the bacteria in our gut, um, which then in turn has an immune simulating benefit. It has you know, uh, anti-inflammatory benefits, lots of, you know, again, just we can run down the list and, you know, we're going to find some benefits in every mushroom. Um, but I think if you're really looking for a specific goal, you know, say you want to support your brain health specifically, not all of the mushrooms out there are going to do that. And in those cases, I would say you're really going to want to get kind of a more targeted, more specific mushroom, AKA lion's mane, that is going to have all of these benefits for the BDNF, you know, your brain derived neurotropic factor. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the, the protection of the myelin sheath and a lot of these other benefits that we've seen uh, in some pilot clinical studies and that we've seen in a lot of uh, animal model studies and in, you know, even a bunch of in vitro studies as well. So subculture studies. So, so, you know, I think it just kind of depends. And as, you know, people learn more about mushrooms and as we study mushrooms more, uh, I mean, that's one interesting thing that I think about all the time and that I see in the research is there isn't a lot of research out there. There's not a lot of data in humans as far as the benefits of these things go. And so we know from animal models and we know from in vitro trials that these things are going to have an effect in the body, um, but we just haven't had the large scale clinical trials to show, you know, proper doses and, you know, these things like that. And so, I mean, it, it gets, it gets tricky, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, those bigger mushroom blends, great way to dip your toes in the water. And then once you've kind of learned a little bit more and you've kind of dug into the research or, you know, talk to other people that have had, you know, positive benefits from these things, um, then you can kind of get more into the targeted things, I would say. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. What I when people ask me that question, um, I I answer it almost exactly the way you did at first, which is, you know, well, what 
what are you trying to achieve here, right? Because they're all yeah. um, a little different with their highlights. And, and it is important to understand that a lot of this immunomodulation uh, benefit and, um, you know, fighting of uh, prevention of, you know, disease and illness of a wide variety, everything from cancer to cold and flu mm -hmm. and, and everything in between, you can get a pretty good um, benefit in that area with just about any of these over-the-counter medicinal mushrooms. They all have lots of uh, the beta-glucans and things like that uh, in them that help with that. And so if you're just looking for overall support, that's the way to go. And then you have to ask yourself, okay, but you know, is there a specific thing? And of course, lion's mane, the reason it's so big right now is because it's considered in the family of nootropics, uh, where it's something that people are using for brain health, for focus and cognition and all this kind of stuff. And that seems to be the big thing right now, as far as, you know, kind of the biohacking uh, crowd that are trying to, you know, optimize their mental uh, agility and things like that. And so what I would like to do uh, once we get through uh, this next little seg segment where we're going to talk about the psychedelics is just break down a few of these individual mushrooms if we have time and talk about their benefits, including the lion's mane. You know, we developed a product uh Oh, now I'm trying to remember. I guess it's only about a year old now uh, called Vital Greens and Shrooms. Uh, that's a formula that's basically, uh, well, it's real simple. It's just eight ingredients. It's spirulina, broccoli sprout extract, barley grass, beet juice, um, matcha green tea, and then three mushrooms, lion's mane, turkey tail, and reishi. And it was interesting when I was going through this formula and trying to figure out how to, um, you know, sort of optimize what we were doing with it. I realized what you mentioned that I had never really thought of as I was digging around and looking at the benefits of these different mushrooms. One of the things that I kept coming across is these are great prebiotics. They're really, really powerful in that area because I originally was thinking, well, maybe we should put some prebiotics in the formula. And then I realized, well, we've already got prebiotics in the formula. We got yeah. all these amazing <laughs> mushrooms. And so I, I want to make sure I reiterate that for people because I get that question all the time. What should I take as a prebiotic? And there's a lot of things you can use as prebiotics, but what I think sort of makes mushrooms special in that space is because they do all this other amazing medicinal good, and you just get this nice little side benefit of they're also really great for your microbiome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one, one interesting thing, too, just to highlight you, the uh, greens and shrooms that you just talked about. Mm -hmm. So barley was actually the first source where they were able to, the first kind of plant source where they were able to isolate beta glucans from. Oh, that's right. Yes. I had forgotten yeah. about that, but I have read that. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So a lot of, um, you know, extra immune punch uh, in, in that formula for sure. So let's talk about the more controversial side of mushrooms now for a minute. Talk about something yeah. known as psychedelics. Uh, prior to us, you know, getting on the air and recording, we talked about how, especially in a conservative state like Utah, this is a really interesting topic. Uh, it's interesting to me that I have a lot more people coming to me at Vitality saying, hey, what do you think about psychedelics? They know I can't sell them to them, uh, but they want to know because they know I do some research and dig into this kind of stuff. You know, what do you think about this thing, Jared? Do you think they're safe? Do you think... I should try it. What about microdosing? I get, I field way more questions on a product that I can't sell 
Yeah. <laughs> probably than I ever have about any of any product, which is really interesting. Uh, so I want to dig into it a little bit because I know there are a lot of people with questions. You have the big guys out there like Rogan talking about this all the time uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, a lot of other podcasts. I want to take it down to um, the level of people that are just getting curious about what a psychedelic mushroom is because there's this taboo kind of feeling out there. I remember very much how it was with CBD and then THC and CBD and THC where there was a, a, a very kind of hands-off, ooh, maybe we shouldn't, this stuff can be dangerous, this stuff can be addictive and all these things. And then as they've become legalized pretty much across the country on some level or another, even here in Utah, more and more people are saying, oh, well, you know, maybe it's not that big of a deal. And I laugh, uh, we, we had this conversation before that, you know, because the government says something's legal or illegal, somehow or another makes it good or bad, right? And it, yeah. it, I think once we start relying on the government to determine what's healthy for us, <laughs> we've lost the battle uh, really, really quickly. So let's talk about this thing and maybe demystify it a little bit. This isn't about us encouraging you to try psychedelics. It's more about just giving you some information uh, really from about as unbiased a source as there is, because neither Nick or I can make any money selling psychedelics to you. So, so that's not what we're here for. Just education to help you understand a little bit more about what this is. There's this specific compound called psilocybin. Uh, Nick, talk to us a little bit about psilocybin. Yeah, so psilocybin is in a class of compounds known as tryptamines. Uh, they're actually uh, synthesized from tryptophan, which is, I'm sure, you know, a lot of people remember like, oh, you eat turkey dinner on mm-hmm. Thanksgiving and you fall asleep from tryptophan. So it's a precursor to, a, you know, a, you know, probably thousands and thousands of different molecules. But it's a, a compound that occurs in a number of mushrooms and in a handful of other um, plants. And even there's a, a cicada or a mushroom that gets infected or a cicada that gets infected by a mushroom that produces uh, psilocybin. So it's kind of just these one of, you know, these things that you find in certain places in nature, but it has a a very profound effect on our psyches. Um, It is strongly, you know, potently hallucinogenic um, all the way down to, you know, just a a few hundred milligrams can, um, you know, have a really strong effect on us and and cause different hallucinogens uh, or hallucinations. Um, and it's, it's been researched or, you know, it was researched, you know, back in the sixties, the fifties and the sixties, uh, as, you know, a potential therapeutic agent for, uh, different mental health issues. And then, uh, in the early two thousands, it kind of resurfaced, uh, in Europe, uh, being studied, um, for, you know, severe depression, uh, was kind of where it first came into, to play in the research realm. And then now that's kind of spread into the United States and Johns Hopkins university. And, you know, a lot of these other like really prestigious universities have now started to study it for, um, you know, not only, you know, treatment resistant depression, but also, um, uh, you know, various types of addictions and, uh, ADHD, PTSD, you know, a lot of these different kind of uh, mental health issues that have been so far kind of we've only really been able to throw our hands up in the air and say, hey, we don't really know what's going on, you know, at least from the, the you know, traditional medicinal background or, you know, 
pharmaceutical background, they just kind of say, oh, we don't really know what to do. You know, obviously all of our drugs aren't working, so let's try something different. Right. Yeah. And so it's interesting, too, because when you talk about treatment resistant depression, so I'm a guy who's never considered himself to be depressed uh, for more than a few hours, probably. Uh, that yeah. is a it's a pretty foreign concept for me. And it's I think that gets maybe a little annoying for people who struggle with depression. <laughs> that There's people that don't even know what that feels like. But what I do have that a lot of people don't have is this wide range of people that have come to see me over the last you know 30 plus years doing what I do trying to get help with their depression, you know, trying to fill whatever nutrient deficiencies they might have, trying to use, you know, herbs like St. John's wort or saffron or whatever to try and help with their depression. And what I find fascinating, Nick, is that most of these people are on SSRIs or some other type of pharmaceutical for depression, and they're looking for more help, meaning that essentially they're not getting the benefit that they need out of their drug, or at least they're not getting as much of a benefit as they need out of their drug. Yeah. And we know I've done whole shows on this multiple times. In fact, it might be time to do a new one on with the, the latest research, but that SSRIs as a general rule perform roughly equivalent to uh, placebo. And so most people really don't get very many benefits from SSRIs. There are plenty of potential side effects with SSRIs. And so it is frustrating to me that something like a medicinal mushroom or a, a, psych a psychedelic mushroom might be considered taboo when we have millions and millions of Americans on drugs that don't work for most of them and create side effects for a high percentage of them. And somehow that's not taboo because, you know, it's, by prescription, so it must be okay. The FDA approved it. Uh, so I am really, really excited from where I sit for the potential for the legalization of some of this stuff. It's slowly happening, right? We have yeah. Oregon, I think, as a state has decriminalized it, and uh, Denver has decriminalized it. And you mentioned to me before the show, and I didn't know this, o Oakland apparently has decriminalized it. Which means yeah. you can possess them. You can't sell them. You can't open up a shop. There's no dispensaries like there are with you know marijuana or things like that. But you can possess them without getting in trouble at least. And I think that's at least a step in the right direction. Not that you don't have to be cautious with these things. They are hallucinogens and they can create some concerns for people, we'll say, uh, depending on how they're used. And you have to use them with wisdom. But I think it has to be an option. And what's really exciting to me is that they're actually studying them to try and figure out, yeah. okay, what can these things do? So yeah. what do we know about the research so far that you haven't already mentioned in terms of depression with uh, mushrooms, with psychedelic mushrooms specifically? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, the research is, is ongoing because it's, it's just kind of brand new, you know, I mean, uh, up until just recently with the decriminalization in you know, several cities and uh, states around the nation, I looked it up and actually the, the long, there's a much longer list than uh, you and I had thought. Um, oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you'll have to look into it and your listeners will have to definitely look into it um, as well. But, uh, you know, it's such a new field that... Uh, it's we're still just really kind of unraveling all of the benefits that that you know these uh, tools and these substances might have. Um, the really big one is is of course uh, you know depression specifically. Uh, you know some of the bigger early studies that came out looked at um, people with uh, terminal 
cancers and terminal illnesses. And they found that sometimes even as low or as few as a single um, psychedelic therapeutic session or, you know, kind of, and these are all done again, you know, primarily in like a clinic based setting. Um, you know, so you have the set and setting, uh, which is really important, uh, you know, to have the, uh, the proper structure and the proper benefits from these type of trips um, or experiences that they found that, you know, this basically was such a life changing event that it kind of just erased people's fear of, of having this terminal illness and, and dying. Um, the research is kind of almost at this point is kind of coming out so fast um, and it's, it's, you know, being now looked at for a lot of other things, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, addiction, there are some other psychedelic substances out there that we won't go into in this show. Um, but like ibogaine and ketamine and things like that, that have also been looked at for, you know, addiction, like really severe addictions to opiates or alcohol, things like that. Um, but it, the two big ones that I'm most familiar with, yeah, would be the, the, you know, treatment resistant depression, and then also um, the the addiction with mushrooms specifically, uh, you know, PTSD and MDMA. And, you know, again, there's just this long list of different psychedelics that you can go down um, that have, you know, been shown to have different benefits as well. So, yeah. And, and, and there's a, like you said, there's a long list and a lot of uh, information that we could discuss you know, outside of the mushroom world, the ketamine thing's fascinating because ketamine, of course, now is is uh, basically legal by, I guess it's considered a prescription. Uh, it's typically used as an mm -hmm. IV, as I understand it, in a variety of different doctor's offices across the country. And there are some people having some really, really good results with that. Uh, so you, you touched briefly on, you know, what you could call kind of a megadose or something that would put you into, you know, what is known, I guess, uh, um, traditionally as a trip right where you're uh, where you're taking a high enough dose that you're having hallucinations and things like that but there's also something known as microdosing. what can you tell us about that yeah so i'm to be honest i, I think probably james fadiman maybe you have been the one to come up with microdosing. i'm not pure or i'm not entirely sure on the origins of microdosing, but it kind of started to gain popularity again in, you know, the mid 2000s, 2000, early 2010s um, in that realm, as far as taking sub, um, sub psychoactive doses of psilocybin or other, you know, potently psychoactive drugs. Uh, and basically the idea behind it is, is that, you know, you're taking a low enough dose that you're still able to kind of go about your day um, but it's having kind of just a real subtle effect uh, on your mind and on your body, you know, over a longer period of time, as opposed to having this kind of, you know, six hour, you know, trip, you know, where you're, you know, jumping around, laughing your head off or whatever, you know, kind of going crazy. Um, but a lot of uh, people, you know, anecdotally have, have, you know, said and shown that, you know, oh, this helps my creativity, helps my focus. Um, it helps me just kind of be more at ease and more at peace as I go throughout the day. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends. I, you know, hear a lot of people that have come into my clinic, um, who have talked about, you know, anecdotally, all of these different benefits that they've gotten, um, there, they have done some larger scale trials on microdosing. I think the ones that I've seen, um, you know, that were published four or five years ago, 
uh, it seemed like the methodologies were kind of not quite as great, you know, to maybe uh, show what they were, you know, hoping to show or answer the research questions that they were trying to answer. Um, there was a, a recent study that was just done um, as far from microdosing. I don't think that I've seen the actual published results from it yet. Um, it was a big study that was just done uh, via people's phones. Like, so you signed up and several times throughout the study, you would, you know, just kind of answer a little questionnaire, like based in a, an app that was on your phone. Hmm. Um, but yeah, microdosing is generally just taking really small, you know, sub psychoactive doses of psilocybin in this case, you know, um, and there's different protocols. So you have the Fatiman protocol, which is um, taking a microdose, you know, having kind of a transition day and then having an integration day, uh, you know, so you take the dose one day and then you wait two days, then you take another dose. Um, and again, these are, you know, in milligrams worth of, of active mushrooms. And then there's the Paul Stamets protocol. Paul Stamets is kind of, uh, you know, the voice out there in the world for psychedelic mushrooms. He's studied these things for decades and decades. He has uh, one just barely got named after him, a new, a new species that was discovered. Um, and, you know, there's a host of TED Talks and podcasts that he's been on. He's been on Rogan a handful of times mm -hmm. talking about this. But he's got his own protocol that incorporates lion's mane mushrooms. Um, because of their benefits on the brain and also incorporates uh, niacin or vitamin B3, the flushing variety. So you do kind of get that, you know, flush that helps it kind of, or it's hypothesized that it helps it kind of, you know, uh, helps those compounds cross over the blood brain barrier and, um, you know, benefit the mind in a, in a much deeper way. So um, the, it's in the research, it's thought that psychedelic mushrooms activate the default mode network, which is, this part of our brain or part of our psyche that is active when we're daydreaming, when we're just kind of like not thinking about anything. And it's been implicated in a host of, of different neurological disorders, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, ADHD, depression, you know? And so it's, we're still just, you know, the research is so new that we're still just kind of really unraveling all of the potential benefits of these types of mushrooms. And so, you know, you mentioned that you were really excited to see this become more accepted and more, um, you know, legalized for more research and legalized or decriminalized in a lot of countries or states and cities and things like that. So I think the potential is there for these things to just break psychology and, and mental health, you know, disorders wide open. Um, I agree. It's, it's really interesting because I do... Uh, you know, a, a variety of different topics on this show, of course, and, and, and mostly I'm talking about uh, nutrition, you know, supplemental nutrition, dietary changes, things like that. But I also talk about a lifestyle, a lot of lifestyle stuff. And one of the things that I recently started doing because I've seen such a need for it that I basically felt compelled that I needed to start making it a part of my program is what I call my emotional vitality episodes. I think we have six of them so mm -hmm. far. And none of them have anything to do with a supplement. None of them have anything to do with exercise. These are basically, uh, or, or your diet. These are things that are tools that you can learn uh, to get out of your own way, for lack of a better term, uh, when you feel stuck mm -hmm. in anxiety or depression or OCD or addiction or whatever else it is. And I will say that, Nick, one of the things that I've noticed 
over the years that frankly has been pretty frustrating for me is that I can help people to a certain degree with the things that I sell in my store, right? I can help them fill their nutritional deficiencies. I can help them detoxify their liver, their kidneys, their blood, their, mm-hmm. uh, you know, their uh, bowels and so on. I can help with a lot of different things in those areas. And in most cases, people can get some results with the recommendations that I make. But what I've recognized years ago, but I didn't know how to do anything about it at the time, was that there was a certain percentage of people that, well, and, and, and I would say maybe the vast majority of people that I work with, that I can only help so much with those things. And of course, there was mm-hmm. diet, right? So I started talking more about, well, what we should eat, what we shouldn't eat, what you know, what things are inflaming the system and things like that. So we started to, to incorporate more of the diet side of it. And we talked a little bit more about the movement side of it and things like that. But there was this other thing, and it's what's going on upstairs, what's happening in your brain, specifically your subconscious mind, that is holding you back from actually achieving the goals that you have in life, whether it be with your health uh, or with you know your career or anything, anything else that's in the way or, or, or anything else that you're going for, but there's something in the way. And oftentimes, I think the something in the way is you. and the habits you've formed or the habits you haven't formed and the beliefs that you have specifically the the wrong beliefs the uh uh, negative beliefs that we have about ourselves that oftentimes keep us Mm -hmm. stuck and so i started doing this emotional vitality thing but there are people that are so stuck in the pattern of depression and anxiety and uh, failure and relationship uh, issues and so many other aspects of life that are buried somewhere in the subconscious mind, you know, hiding behind the curtain as I as I talk about it. And that's yeah. where I personally think that psychedelics have an unbelievable, largely untapped potential for people is what's behind the curtain. You know, you talked about uh, how, you know, mushrooms specifically impact that state of mind that you're in when you're in that daydream state and Mm -hmm. they do to some degree allow access behind the curtain much like you know hypnotherapy might do there's a bunch of different ways to get there but one of the things that i think is so fascinating is that psilocybin i know some of the research is on ptsd and ptsd Mm -hmm. seems to be a thing that people just generally don't get over right they're in it and they're stuck with it uh, and yet there are people having success getting through it with the aid of psychedelics. And to mm-hmm. me, that is, you know, that's worth all the investigation we could possibly throw at it because these oh, people yeah. are stuck and potentially permanently stuck if they can't figure out how to get out of it. Yeah. And I, I mean, even from just personal experience, so, you know, I don't know if we mentioned this or if you mentioned this in, in our last discussion, you know, I had a spinal cord injury 15 years ago. Um, and as a, you know, teenager and, and in my twenties and things like that, I experimented with, you know, definitely a lot of different plant medicines, but some of the other, you know, traditional psychedelics as well, just as more as a, like a party thing, you know, this was right. back when just having fun. I definitely, I definitely had an interest in medicinal plants and things like that from a really young age. Um, but you know, this was more of just a, a rebellion, you know, kind of against, society and all that I viewed that was, you know, oppressing me or whatever. Um, But I, I, you know, had experimented with all of a lot of those things and never really, you know, thought too much about their benefits in my own life. 
until I had my spinal cord injury. And, you know, I still, to this day, I have people come up to me all the time or people talk to me about, Hey, you know, like how, like, what is it about you that allows you to be so resilient and just kind of take, you know, the severe physical disability that you have in such stride. Um, and for a long time, I kind of thought about it and I was like, I don't really know. And then it occurred to me one day, I was like, Oh, like, I wonder if it has to do with just all of these, you know, experiences that I had with psychedelic mushrooms and some of the other traditional psychedelics and, and even cannabis, you know, was a, a thing that I used to use a lot before my injury. And I kind of thought about it and I was like, you know what, like, I think that those things helped me rewire my brain in a way. And it also helped me look to be able to look deep inside of myself without fear. I think that's where a lot of these, you know, bad habits and things like that and our, our ability to like, you know, think the worst of ourselves and, you know, all of these other things kind of come from the state of fear of like really being able to peek behind the curtain. And, you know, kind of when you have those substances and they help open up your mind to looking behind the curtain, you know, I think that it really opens you up to being like, okay, what's behind the curtain isn't necessarily all that scary, you know, and they allow you, and I, I certainly think they allowed me at the time to look behind the curtain and realize like, oh, hey, like this isn't really that big of a deal, you know? And so now when, you know, troubling things happen to me, I'm able to just to kind of let it roll off my back instead of kind of holding on to it, you know? So it's, in a, in a sense, it's like a mental lubrication or something like that, uh, you know, that it just kind of really makes things much less scary. And, and I now have tools, uh, you know, to, to look at those things and to kind of realize that like, oh, you know, this doesn't define me, this, you know, this particular situation or, you know, this argument that I had doesn't actually define me, you know? So, yeah, yeah. It, it really is interesting. And I started getting really intrigued by this. Um, it actually was, it was a Rogan podcast, uh, six years ago, seven years ago, something like that, uh, with him, uh, talking about this. Um, I actually heard him talking to Paul Stamets, uh, and then, mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember there's been two or three others that I've listened to with other, you know, kind of experts in the field of psychedelics. And what, again, I've, I've been sort of, um, in a point of just frustration trying to figure out, okay, so how do I help people get you know, kind of outside of themselves and figure some of this stuff out on the mental, emotional level so that then the physical uh, body can heal and get where it needs to be. Because I'm convinced, especially with pretty chronic issues like autoimmune uh, disease, for instance, that there is a massive mental, emotional component to autoimmune mm -hmm. disease beyond what's happening in the gut, beyond what's happening in the body, something going on upstairs. And if I talk to people that are dealing with these things in many cases there's a trauma of some sort that happened around the same time that they started having these symptoms or after this the trauma sort of calmed down the symptoms started kicking in when the body was able to kind of come back to its you know normal relaxed state or whatever and mm -hmm. so this is all just kind of the world and health according to jared but i believe very very much that that mental emotional component to disease is extremely um, under-recognized and we aren't paying nearly enough attention to it. And as I'm able to, I had a client come in the other day. I didn't plan to tell this story, but I'll tell the story very 
very generically, so I don't uh, uh, talk about the client specifically, but came in to see me for a nutritional consultation. I uh, had a very specific list of things that were, you know, health concerns and, and, and primarily was hoping to figure out, you know, some, some sort of a supplemental regimen to try and help fortify the body. And I listened and listened and took notes and immediately it clicked in my head, you know what, I can make these recommendations, but there's something here that needs to be unlocked and it's in her brain. And I could mm -hmm. tell by the way that she was speaking about herself that that's what was going on, that there was there were some limiting beliefs that were really, really creating issues for her. So I turned her on to these emotional vitality episodes uh, that we've done, which help people to get behind the scenes. And I will tell you this, listening, if you're <clears throat> whether you're interested in psychedelics or you're not, if you if you're resonating with what we're talking about with this mental emotional aspect of health, um, check out these episodes because they have the the information within these changed my life, uh, changed my fiance's life in a dramatic way. I've seen it change many many other people's lives. There's real power in it. I won't say that uh, using it with psychedelics would potentially be even better. I don't know. I think it probably depends to a very large degree on the individual. Um, mm -hmm. But what I will say is that if you haven't tried to figure out what's going on behind that curtain in your brain, in your subconscious mind, um, you're missing something uh, on your journey to finding overall optimized health. Anyway, that's my rant there uh, on that topic. I don't know if you have anything to add before we move on to the next spot there, Nick. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I do think, again, just to reiterate, I think there's so much potential. I think that, um, you know, before we move on, it's really important to understand that there are very serious possible risks with uh, psychedelic mushrooms. Um, you know, not everybody has a good trip. I mean, there is definitely a, a thing such as a bad trip, you know, or a, a, um, and there have been, you know, even in these big clinical studies, there have been people that have ended up worse off, you know, because of them. So it's not definitely not something to be taken lightly. Um, you know, if you are interested in, you know, learning more about this or, you know, anything like that, like it's definitely something that you should approach uh, with a lot of your own personal research. Um, I, I know you are. I'm also a big believer of, you know, not just taking somebody's word for it, uh, yeah. for anything, you know, kind of really, you know, doing the research yourself, really understanding the the potential benefits and also potential risks that are involved uh, in pursuing any, you know, path towards health. Um, and, and then also like, you know, doing it in, in a way that is mindful of, of others around you and, you know, yourself and, and, you know, yeah. Uh, just being smart about it. Use caution. Yes, definitely. And so, and that, and that's the thing too. I mean, the reason I wanted to do this show wasn't to convince anybody to do anything or not do anything when it comes to this. It's more of a, in my book, I hope this show ends up being a little bit more of a primer on, okay, is this even something I should maybe consider or should I run yeah. far away? Um, there's enough value in uh, psychedelics in my book uh, particularly in mushrooms, which I, I really do believe are here as medicine for us. Um, there's there's definitely enough there to think that it's at least worth educating yourself on and uh, digging deeper on. And I certainly wouldn't take my word for it or Nick's word for it or any other one person's mm -hmm. word for it. Dig around, do your research, uh, get some information. And then if you do decide to do something like this, 
be smart about it and, you know, start slow, all that sort of thing. And we're not going to yeah. walk through the process of how to use them. That's not our, our, our job here today as much as, yeah. like I say, hopefully just demystifying things just a little bit. Okay, so with the rest of the time that we have left, let's jump back to um, the mushrooms that are legal, over-the-counter, uh, that we can help you with specifically. And let's start with lion's mane, Nick, because it is the big dog on the uh, market right now. I think if I had to, uh, if I did a, uh, a report on my uh, inventory system, Lion's mane probably outsells all of my other mushrooms combined by maybe five times, maybe even more than that. People love lion's mane. Tell us what you know yeah. about it. Yeah, so lion's mane is huge. Um, we, you know, the job that I have uh, working with Better Being Company, um, you know, we pull a lot of spins report, which kind of aggregates all of the consumer data, point of sale data. And lion's mane is the number one selling mushroom product uh, out there in the world or at the very least in the United States. Um, so lion's mane, again, the, the big one, you know, that we think of lion's mane for is that nootropic, that brain support. Um, there has been, you know, again, you know, a decent amount of research uh, as far as, you know, preclinical work that's been shown that it uh, increases uh, brain-derived neurotropic factor. Um, and for people out there that don't necessarily understand or know what BDNF is, is it's a, a factor, a little co compound or enzyme in our brain, not, sorry, it's not an enzyme. It is a compound in our brain and our nervous system that promotes uh, neuroplasticity. And so neuroplasticity is the ability of our brain to kind of continually restructure itself in response to new stimuli. So like when we want to go learn a new task, you know, we're trying to learn how to be a carpenter, you know, and we need to basically start from the ground up we have to rewire our brain and all of our neurons in a way that allows us to kind of remember those things and allows that those nerve pathways to be sped up. BDNF also really protects nerve cells from nerve death. Uh, oxidation is a, a really big thing that can happen in our brain that can lead to a host of neurological disorders. Alzheimer's is a really big one. Dementia is a really big one. And so in some of the clinical trials with lion's mane, they have shown that um, that lion's mane and specifically some of the other compounds that are in there, um, they're called her harrisonanes um, or, and harrisonones, a couple of different classes of compounds. Um, and they have, yeah, you know, they um, support this BDNF, but they also have a lot of a really potent kind of uh, neuroprotective um, benefit as well in protecting the myelin sheath, the nerve cell bodies, uh, the action potentials that kind of run along uh, those nerve cells to kind of allow for that better nerve conduction. Yeah, so if you're listening and you've heard me talk to uh, Dr. Dale Bredesen uh, about preventing Alzheimer's and things like that, one of the big things that he focuses on is, is getting BDNF levels uh, up in the brain. There's real power in that, and we know that uh, there's actually some evidence that magnesium three and eight is very, very good uh, with that. And so is um, uh, a specific type of coffee berry uh, extract that's shown to increase BDNF as well. There's some other herbs out. I think Hooperzine A, do you remember, Nick? Is that another one that boosts BDNF? Yeah. yeah. Um, a is a 
a good one for cosmetics. Yeah, so there's a bunch of different ones that you can use that work for that, but Lion's Mane is one of the one of the biggies. And one of the things that I love about Lion's Mane, again, is you get these these complementary benefits of all the immune uh, benefits that come along with all of these mushrooms that we're talking about and the prebiotic benefit along with the brain health benefit. Um, Nick, do you know uh, specifically what you've seen in terms of research on uh, the dosing for Lion's Mane for optimal uh, benefit with BDNF? Yeah, so uh, not necessarily in BDNF specifically, but just in general for lion's mane mm-hmm. dosages, usually kind of fall into around the two to three gram amount of like a dried powdered mushroom. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing, you know, the uh, probably a lot of your customers, I don't know if you've already had the, or experienced this, a lot of people are now kind of uh, coming and saying, oh, well, you know, you have to have the fruiting body or you have to have the, you know, the mycelium is better or, you know, um, there, it's a, there's a big argument right now going on yes. in the, in the dietary supplement space regarding, you know, who's right and who's wrong as far as, you know, uh, these things. I think there's positive research on both sides, um, that show, you know, that like the mycelium has a lot of benefit, the substrate that it's grown on has a lot of benefit. Um, and there's a lot of research that shows that like the fruiting bodies are, are more potent, but um, in general, you know, the, the doses that I've seen with lion's mane, uh, specifically because I haven't seen li- many lion's mane extracts that are standardized uh, to any, you know, hericines, um specifically. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. Um, so so you're looking, I would say, in the, in the like to really get the benefits, especially with a lot of the studies that have been done over in um, Asia. Japan studies lion's mane a lot. Um, for Alzheimer's prevention, dementia prevention, things like that, Parkinson's disease. Um, most of the doses that they are using are in the gram range, um, which is, again, I think if, if, you know, to go back to the beginning of this podcast when we talked about, um, you know, blends versus specific mushrooms, um, you know, kind of if you're going for that specific neuroprotective, um, cognitive, you know, enhancing um, kind of benefit, then that's where you're going to really want to get a lion's mane specific, um, product. So that way you are able to kind of get that higher dose in, you know, so, um, yeah, I think it's really important for that. And, and for people that aren't as familiar with metric system as we are, two to three grams is uh, 2,000 to 3,000 milligrams. That's probably how it'll be listed on your bottle. Uh, <clears throat> for what it's worth, a typical capsule of lion's mane is usually about 500 milligrams, mm-hmm. which means that you're, you know, two would give you that 1,000 or that one gram mark, four would give you the 2,000, you know, six give you 3,000. And that is one thing that I always uh, mention to people with mushrooms is don't really expect to take a capsule a day and feel like you're probably going to see noticeable benefit. There isn't much research that I've seen on any of the mushrooms that starts much below 1,000 milligrams. And in most cases, it's 1,500 plus from what I've seen. Uh, And so make sure if you are going to experiment with medicinal mushrooms that you experiment with a dose that's high enough to actually, you know, yield some benefit, which usually, uh, as Nick mentioned, is going to be around 1,000 milligrams or more. So I think that's important. Um, Pick another mushroom for us while we have a few more minutes, Nick, that you'd like to highlight uh, your choice. Sure. I think um, one that I've always really loved and one that kind of falls back into my background as a, a traditional Chinese herbalist is reishi. 
mm-hmm. um, even though Reishi is the, the Japanese name for it. The Chinese name is Lingzhi. Um, so it's uh, been around for pretty much ever. It was one of the kind of the first uh, mushrooms that was really elucidated, you know, back in these really old Chinese pharmacopoeias. Um, it's known as the mushroom of immortality, um, just because, again, it had so many different health benefits um, from it. And it's also been kind of probably, I think, you know, again, at the top of our show or top of the show, you mentioned that that was one of the few mushrooms that, you know, you sold kind of early on um, or that kind of came into the dietary supplement space. Um, So it's, uh, you know, from kind of a traditional Chinese medicine standpoint, it's in a category of herbs that calm the spirit. Um, And we know from some more modern research that it does have some kind of mood stabilizing abilities. Uh, It also has a lot of immune, um, you know, enhancing or immunomodulating uh, capabilities as well. It has, it's been studied for uh, cancer, again, for kind of inhibiting tumor growth, for kind of reorienting our cell cycles, you know, as a preventative for cancer. Um, You know, so before you even get it, um, it also has some anti- um, bacterial antiviral properties as well. Um, but kind of, I really like it, uh, again for, and it's more, one of the more common mushrooms that I take, you know, I take it on a, a very regular basis. Um, but it, you know, it, for those kind of that mood stabilizing, um, and also some sleep enhancing ability as well. It's not something like going to be as potent as like melatonin or anything like that, where you're going to like take it and it's going to knock you out. But over time, I think the way that I've seen it work in my clients and in myself is that it has the ability to kind of reset the stress cycle or our, you know, our cortisol circadian cycle, you know, that that adjusts and flows throughout the day Um, and really kind of just kind of calm that down, kind of calm that stress response down and allows us to get better sleep because we're not in that like cortisol spike late at night, you know, from Mm -hmm. looking at screens all night long, you know, like when we sit down, we get off work, we go home, we watch TV or jump on our computer and surf the internet or whatever, stare at our phones, you know, that blue light, all of those things kind of have this cortisol enhancing or cortisol spiking effect. Um, And I think, you know, over time, a regular use of, of reishi and a lot of these medicinal mushrooms have that ability to kind of modulate that stress response and uh reishi specifically i think really allows us to kind of get better sleep by modulating that stress response Um, that's really interesting i'd never really thought of reishi for that but it makes sense uh uh, that's i I like that that's good good information uh how about one more and then i'll let you go yeah one more um i think cordyceps is another one that i uh, really like a lot um, mostly just because it has such like an interesting uh, ecological niche it is um, it basically parasitizes insects. The ones that we take medicinally parasitize um, a worm, uh, you know, and so it sprouts up and out of shoots out of the head. Um, but it has a lot of like really interesting uh, effects on our metabolism. Uh, so, you know, for those of you out there who are familiar with mitochondria, you know, the powerhouse of the cells where our cells produce ATP, which is the energy currency for every action in our body. Um, And there have been some, even some, you know, interesting papers that have even come out recently 
that show how cordyceps has um, the ability to kind of enhance that uh, metabolic pathway to create more ATP and to regenerate ATP um, more specifically. Uh, it also has, you know, some really interesting, uh, you know, preclinical research that shows that it kind of actually helps protect DNA. Um, so there's, you know, some possible or interesting possibilities there as far as uh, working as like an anti-aging type thing, you know, where, you know, a lot of aging is where our DNA begins, you know, we get more and more error, errors in our DNA uh, in our cell replication, and that causes premature aging, uh, you know, in a lot of different areas of our body. And so that's some, you know, kind of an interesting area that I like to think of uh, cordyceps as enhancing. Um, but yeah, the big, the big one is definitely the uh, kind of energy uh, performance enhancement, you know, exercise enhancement, things like that with cordyceps. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just a super interesting fungus, um, you know, or, or mushroom. So, uh, yeah. yeah and, it's... and I actually, I was kind of hoping you'd pick cordyceps because personally I'm as fascinated by that one as any of them. I think cordyceps mm -hmm. is a really, really interesting mushroom. And from an endurance standpoint, that's one of the things that I find really interesting. So at my shop, for people who've actually been in the store, maybe you've seen this, if you're someone who shops with us online or whatever and haven't been in or just listened to the show, uh, you haven't seen this, but we kind of have two sections. We have our our health, uh, what would you call it, our, our supplement section that's basically geared more towards people that are really all in on the health journey as far as vitamins and minerals and herbs and all that kind of stuff. And generally speaking, it's going to be really, really clean stuff um, as far as ingredients. And then we have our sports nutrition section. And the sports nutrition is a little bit different um, type of consumer that buys sports nutrition versus the people that buy, uh, you know, vitamins, minerals, herbs, and things like that. that in many cases, the focus is going to be on, you know, either gaining weight or losing weight, uh, building more muscle, burning more fat, you know, that kind of thing. And it's geared mostly towards, you know, amino acids and things like creatine and protein and, and maybe collagen and things like that. But what I found really interesting, Nick, and I don't know if, uh, if you've uh, witnessed this at all, but over the last maybe four or five years in sports nutrition supplements, pre-workouts and things like that, mushrooms are starting to, to appear. There's actually quite a few uh, pre-workouts now that have reishi and cordyceps in there. Uh, mm -hmm. Cordyceps in particular is the one that usually is in. But we even have some that are specifically designed to help you with mental focus while you're working at. And they've got lion's mane and cordyceps in there, things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. really interesting and exciting, I think, that mushrooms are kind of going a little bit more mainstream because that's a little more of a mainstream audience, the sports nutrition audience, mm -hmm. maybe a little more, a li little bit less, uh, you know, uh, of a niche audience that might come up to the front part of the store mm -hmm. versus the sports nutrition side. And it's interesting because we have t two very different type of clientele at Vitality. And I'm excited that mushrooms are starting to kind of bridge that gap a little bit because the research on cordyceps for endurance is pretty impressive. Uh, yeah. You know, the things you mentioned, the ATP, the oxygenation of the cell, some of these things, 
really, mm-hmm. really cool. So this is a show that we could go on for hours and hours uh, and uh, talk about every individual mushroom. What I will do is I'll promise you that there will be another mushroom show down the road um, where we'll go into more of these individual uh, mushrooms and, and talk about them kind of one by one uh, to give you a little bit more insight. But again, today was more about uh sharing with you the difference between the psychedelic world of mushrooms and the regular, you know, over-the-counter mushrooms, and hopefully, again, demystifying things a little bit, uh, because I do believe that at the very least, and this is about the best thing I can leave you with, I think, at the very least, if you struggle in some of these mental health areas, um, whether it be, you know, ADHD-type things or depression or anxiety, and you haven't at least dug in and done a little bit of research on psychedelics, especially if you feel like you really are stuck and it's really uh, a challenge for you to get out of your own way, um, something to definitely look into with a little bit less uh, skepticism maybe. Look into the actual research because the research is it's not as deep as we'd like it to be for sure. But the research that we do have is pretty impressive. There's some really good evidence out there that this stuff works. Also, of course, tons of anecdotal evidence as well. Uh, and uh, so that I hope that's what we accomplished today. And uh, beyond that, uh, all I have to say is uh, I appreciate you uh, helping, letting me have this conversation with you. Uh, it's been one that I've sort of put off for a while, like I said at the beginning, because it's a weird thing to talk about something that's not even legal. Uh, but, uh, clearly people get this stuff and there are, um, what I'm hoping is that as more minds change about the potential for it, more legality will come along, which appears to be what's happening right now. Nick, do you have anything to add before we close it out? Yeah. I mean, I would just say, you know, uh, to all of your listeners out there, not to be driven by fear and to, again, do their own research, looking at things for themselves. Um, and, you know, understand that, uh, you know, back in the 60s and the 70s, when all these things were made illegal, you know, it was a much different mindset. There were a lot of things that were going on that were, you know, fomenting a lot of fear and a lot of, you know, need for the government to control things. Um, And, you know, to understand that, you know, the fear mongering that we've heard over the last, you know, 30, 40, 50 years um, was just that was fear mongering. And so, um, you know, really look into it, you know, write your, your legislators if it's something that you stand behind. There's, uh, you know, a bill here in Utah that is to try to open up, uh, you know, allowing people to look at, you know, psilocybin mushrooms as far as like, a, you know, being decriminalized or being legalized in certain situations, similar to the way we did medicinal marijuana, what, about five years ago mm-hmm. um, here in Utah. And so, you know, really look into it for yourselves and understand that there is a lot of therapeutic potential out there and that, you know, maybe even if it's not something that you'd be interested in to know that there are other people out there that do get a lot of benefit from it and that we shouldn't be so restrictive and so have such a closed mindset on a lot of these things. Yeah, I echo that completely. Nick, it's been a pleasure once again. I can't wait to have you on again uh, tackling another topic. Maybe it's mushrooms again. Maybe we'll do something else down the road. But I appreciate your time and your wisdom and all the research that you do. Uh, It's funny, when, when I first got connected with you, by our mutual friend, Max Willis, uh, at Better Being. Uh, he said, you're not going to have a smarter guest than Nick ever. And I said, ah, okay, yeah, we'll see. 
I don't know about that. For sure. And uh, <laughs> but uh, you certainly one of the things I, I love about you, you know, from our conversations that we've had off the air too, uh, is that you if you do want to get into something, you like to go deep. And I appreciate that this information yeah. is, uh, there's so much to be learned and it's great to have a, a mind like yours on my show. So I appreciate it very much. Definitely. I appreciate the opportunity to pour right. out some of my knowledge. Well, I appreciate it. And I'm still going to take you up on that visit to uh, teach me how to uh, ferment some foods. So we got to do that. Uh, Definitely sometime soon. All right. And for everybody listening, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope this has been useful. I'd love to have your feedback. Of course, you can hit me up on uh, Instagram at Vitality Nutrition Bountiful. You can uh, email us. You can jump on our chat, vitalitynutrition.com. Or of course, you can go old fashioned and just give us a call 801-292-6662. Okay. It's time for the homeopathic minute. This is our third installment of the year. Hopefully you've heard uh, the first two. We're going to do them every Wednesday this year. And today we're talking about one single remedy in the homeopathic kingdom, we'll say. It's called Apis Mellifica. Now, we're going alphabetically. These are not in any order other than alphabetical. We did Aconitum two weeks ago. We did Allium Sepa uh, last week. Now we've got Apis Mellifica, which is a remedy derived from the extract of a honeybee. Symptoms that are reduced by apis remind us of the symptoms of a bee sting, redness, swelling, and pain, hot to the touch, stinging sensations, terrible itching, especially at night, swollen face, eyelids, or any part of the body that the skin feels more sore or sensitive. Specifically, swelling with stinging pain, specifically that of a bee sting, or a hornet sting, or any type of a bug bite that would feel stinging and swelling, or that would uh, be accompanied by stinging and swelling. That's really important to remember because it comes from a bee, and in homeopathy, it is like treats like. So think about what a bee sting feels like and looks like, and you can kind of extrapolate from there why you might want to use this remedy. Uh, it works great for puffiness around the eyes, sore throats with burning pain that are relieved by cool drinks, swollen tonsils in particular, a lot of people use apis mel for, urinary tract infections associated with stinging and burning pain. Again, back to the stinging and the burning, swollen feet or legs, swelling, of course, another you know hallmark of a bee sting, right? Inflamed joints with redness and stinging pain. Hives and rashes that are red and swollen. Bites with redness, swelling, or stinging pain. Uh, or things that are hot to the touch. And, of course, a variety of different skin allergies, particularly when there's raised swelling, redness, and stinging discomfort or significant itching. Consider this remedy if you are looking at or if you have these symptoms and they are better not being covered up. If the skin being uncovered feels better than covered, if placing something cold on the skin makes it feel better, if cool air makes it feel better. All of those things would be indicators that, yes, Apis Malefica can help. Uh, if things get worse with heat or heat applications or touch or pressure or even lying down versus being in motion. Those would also then be indicators that Apis Mel is a possible benefit for you. As far as how to use it, three to five pellets per uh, dose under the tongue, like with all of the homeopathic pellets, and it can be used 
often in the early stages, especially in the case of a sting. Now, remember, be wise. If it's anaphylactic shock from a bee sting, I would say absolutely you could use apismel, but seek medical attention uh, at the same time. You don't want to, uh, you know, take your life in your hands uh, because you think homeopathy will necessarily, you know, solve that problem for you. But short of anaphylaxis, uh, yes, absolutely Apis mellifica, one of the best remedies for a bee sting. And again, one of those ones you want to have on hand because you never know when the bee's going to sting. Uh, and of course, can be used for all of these other things that I talked about as well. Three to five pellets as needed under the tongue. Apis mellifica from the common honeybee, a really cool and unique homeopathic. Okay, so that's the Homeopathic Minute. I hope these are useful for you. Give me your feedback, please. Call us at 801-292-6662. Jump online, vitalitynutrition.com, or hit us up on Instagram at Vitality Nutrition Bountiful. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio Podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you.